Welcome back to another episode of Comfort Free Conversations. Today is Wednesday, so you know today is our release day. And you guys liked We Don't Date, We Shop for Partners so much that we're actually going to release a part two. And as always, we're here to undo everything you think you know. All right, well, let's hop into it. Let's get into that. I feel like last time we had a really flushed out talk about, like, I would say more like the negatives, like the don'ts. We didn't really talk about much of the do's. We didn't really talk about much of the positive sides of dating. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, I agree. I agree. And because, I mean, as humans, we always gravitate towards the negative. So Mm -hmm. it would be a brush of breath air to get some positives and some do's up in here. (laughs) Yeah, so let's let's kind of chime in on on that note. So, like, let, just to summarize what we talked about last time, we talked about like online dating, how that compares in this paradigm where America doesn't look at relationships as the person, but they more so look at relationships as a consumption product. Like, they're shopping for a new shirt or something like that. Like, which shirt fits me best? Like for the season, you know, it's it's cuffing season and all that kind of stuff. Really toxic when you think about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, and then we 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 kind of transitioned into what we thought like were our deal breakers, like what were the don'ts, like how shouldn't you date, uh, what are the kind of broken uh, parts about it, and so like I guess we on the end of it we talked quite a bit about. Um, uh, we started to talk about like what are the good things, what what are the good things to look for, but a lot of it was the bad things to look for. So that was last right. week episode, last Wednesday. And so here we are again. Absolutely. And so uh, that was a great summary. You're so awesome. Uh, yeah, but no, definitely let's let's focus on the positive of dating. And, and I think it's hilarious that you made this uh, title because you're right. <laughs> we do shop around. Oh, you know, how would I look with that person? Or how much money does that person make? Or look at his car. I would love for that to be connected to me. And it, that's all very shallow. And in this day and age where, you know, everything is is, is accessible within a click, you know, mm-hmm. you really want to make sure that you take the time to invest in that person that you're potentially dating or that you're dating and go deeper than just the surface value of that individual. So I think, you know, this this is going to be a great topic. Yes, yes. And, and I really like that. You, that's, I think that's the perfect transition. It's like so. So if if we summarize it, it's like, how do you not be deceived by the shallow things that you see about relationships? And so now we get to talk about, well, well, what are some of the more beautiful things about the in-depth parts of the relationships? Which is Absolutely. really cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, this is probably one, of, if, if you don't mind me going first, I think the one aspect that I love about in-depth relationships is just being able to have someone to live life with, mm. to just be able to experience new experiences, go to places, you know, even if it's, even when you're having a rough day, you know, that's mm-hmm. normally that person you go to first and like blah 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 and hopefully they'll be waiting with a listening ear so it's just you know you just have a partner that you can live with not live with but like live life together in that the aspect that they are viewing your existence and you are viewing their existence and you're enjoying it together Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and I think that's beautiful like 
like the consistency, the uh, the security, like of of having someone that's going to be there. And I think that's for me, like what you mentioned. You know, I'm always going to be the comfort comfort free side of these things, even if there's good things that I'm going to say. The good things that I have to say, I'm going to try to relate to comfort free things, just for the sake of branding. But um, so for me, like chiming in on what you said, I think one of the beautiful things about it is when you when you get out of this idea of um of shopping right you yeah like when you when you go to shop you have a certain amount of money and you have a price that you expect to pay for what you're getting right and so like when you break that expectation when you remove that expectation it it well first off when you have the expectation it just opens up the door to for disappointment like you, you spent this much money to get this thing or to get here and you have it and you open the box and you're not satisfied with the product and you want to take it back, right? You want to put it back where it was um, because you didn't really go to this person to see them for who they were. You were, trying, you, were, you were trying to force them into a mold, not discover who they already were, right? And so- right. so. So in this space, like we're, we're breaking down this shopping paradigm um, in this when you're breaking down the shopping paradigm, when you actually date people, you don't have expectations necessarily. You're not going to do that. I think the expectations blind you from seeing who they tell you that you are. You know, that, that there, there's that expression like let, uh, let a person tell you who they are. Right. Yeah. Like by what they say and what they do. So if you remove the expectations, you open the door for them to do that. Um, and then when you transition into the relationship, right, mm-hmm. now that you didn't enter into it with all of these expectations, I think there's this beautiful journey of uh, of unconditional love. And this is something that we've been talking about. I've been talking about amongst other people lately. And here comes the comfort free part. Here we go. So a lot of these conversations originated over things like fat or ugly or you don't look the way you want to look or you have these deep, dark traumas in the back of your closet that you've never addressed and they finally come out in this relationship. And so the beautiful thing about this is if you've critically analyzed this person well enough, you know what you can handle and what you can't and if you can deal with their shortcomings. So now you have this beautiful opportunity to say like, Maybe you're not the weight that I want you to be, but I still love you for who you are. Maybe you have all of these traumas, right? And I'm not going to deny them. I'm not going to deny that these are things that I may not be attracted to, but it's not conditional. Like you're not a performer and I'm not asking you to perform for me to earn my love. That's deep. That is extremely deep that you say. You know, and I think... I know. I think, I think it's hard. I think it's hard to, especially, especially, and I'm not going to speak for women and it's because it's not fair to put all women in a box, but I know that there's definitely individuals who do go into the dating realm with expectations. You know, they're like, oh, I want to find a husband or I want to find, you know, I want to be in a relationship and da, da, da. And you're right. They'll end up sometimes compromising their boundaries to just be in this relationship in that time or they put unrealistic expectations on their partners because they're trying to mold them into what they think their ideal mate would be versus just allowing you know time to just progress and then both parties getting to truly 
get to know each other. And then I and now it, it makes sense why people are like, well, why don't we be friends first? Because if you have no expectation, I'm going to show you who I really am. The right. good, the happy, the bad, the sad. You know, you're going to see that. And then you're able to make a more informed decision if this is something you want to rock with on more than a, you know, on a more romantic level. So, no, I think that's pretty deep. <laughs> and it's really good. And I think you summarized that, like, really well. Like, that, I just had a lot of blob of words. <laughs> no, um, you were great. And so, I, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, you you learn this person. You know what you can handle. And then this this lets this much deeper form of intimacy come about, right? And I think, and I think okay, I think often people face this roadblock to where because they haven't put in the work, they've reached a plateau in the intimacy that they can have, right? So they've mm. reached this. And so what they do to compensate is either extremely affectionate or, and sexual. And not to say that sex is bad because sex is meant to help bridge like gaps in intimacy and put you further apart, but to lean solely on that. And it often blinds people a lot. Like mm. I'm not a virgin, right? So I don't claim to do that. So in my experience, when I am practicing celibacy with a person that I have dated, I, I am much more critical of them than when I am like, um, like when when I am blinded by like my affection for them like wow. it gives them a, yeah you, you're taking off your little sex goggles <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 that's a really great analogy yes you have the sex goggles on and you're like man this person's great because I for, well going back to a um going back to a, a, a neurological standpoint, and this is something there are certain chemicals and it's different for men and women it actually right. is in, it's actually neurologically different for men and women. There are certain uh, hormones that are released in the body and that are associated with certain neurotransmitters that for a woman, when, when she starts to let down and give security, it comes from sex. So when you have sex, I'm not saying it's a direct correlation, but it, it definitely is a high correlation that when you have sex, naturally your psychology begins to want to commit begins to fall in love, begins to uh, uh, look to that figure for stability and security. And um, they say that for a man, uh, it's similar to that, but it, when a man starts to fall in the same way that a woman does when he commits neurologically, neurologically when he commits to the woman. So it, it's, it's, it's actually biological, these, this idea of these sex goggles. Right. Like you put them on and you see this person and your body is literally programmed to trust them, to 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 let them in. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you're right. And it's just. Oh, I think in a world that tells you and I'm kind of transitioning in a world mm -hmm. that tells you, you've got to be the sexier, you got to be funnier, you got to be skinnier, you got to be all of these things i mm -hmm. think subconsciously you know some people including myself you know when you're looking for your partner that's where the foundation of you coming and shopping around comes from is because you're trying to keep up with the joneses you want to you want to be selfie hashtag selfie or couple goals you know what i mean like you want to date that person that's good looking you want to date the person who has money and is accomplished and mm -hmm. I, ugh, you end up like really missing out on some great people if they're not instagram worthy i'm just just <laughs> saying I'm just, you know what i mean like yes yes yes, yes, <laughs> yes. i'm sorry because <laughs> i just 
You know what I mean? Don't overlook the guy who's a little chunky or the girl who has a gap in between her teeth. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. I would be a fool to tell you that looks don't play a certain role. They Absolutely. definitely do. But if you're looking for a long-lasting, strong, foundational love of the life, he's going to have to be bigger than your Snapchats and your and your selfies because <sighs> looks don't looks don't pay the bills and they don't hold hands for too long. So definitely be wise when you choose dating. So what's some of the benefits of dating beyond the filter? <laughs> so one of the things we talked about is unconditional, well, uh, unconditional love, right? It teaches you how to love people, right? Um, yes. But even internally, it, it, it heals you because if you are true to your, uh, your, mar- your marriage vows, like as you should be, right, then you are also healing this person and giving them an unconditional love that they may have not seen before. Like, let's be realistic. Most parents don't even give unconditional love. Most parents will Mm. be there for you no matter what. But let's not like they say I'll be there for you and I always love you. But they have they have issues with their parents. Right. And so they they want to be better than their parents were. And they want to live, they want their child to accomplish all the things that they didn't accomplish. So naturally, they place conditions on their children for how they want them to perform, who they want them to be, right? And, and so they're happy with them as long as they're meeting these requirements. So often, kids internalize this idea of unconditional love. And the first place that they're supposed to see it from, they're not getting it, if we're mm. realistic. Mm. And you know what? Behavior is taught. So if you're taking those unrealistic standards from your parents and you're learning that, uh, it's easy to see how you could apply that to your romantic relationship as well or platonic friendships for that matter. Right. Mm -hmm. So so if you do the work to break that cycle, even if you haven't perfected it, even if you don't know what it looks like, this person is a lifelong of like she woke up today and her breath stank and it was so nasty or like her he he got (laughs) fat like or he had acne. But the safety in that is they love me anyway. That doesn't change. And, and, and like you mentioned something earlier that I kind of wanted to touch on. Um, and it's, a, it's, a, it's such a shame that they do this. But a lot of value, like intrinsic self-worth in women comes from this idea of being attractive. Right. How yeah. attractive are you? determines your value like there's a whole bunch of issues with jealousy and 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 wanting some what what someone else has not even because they want it but because they felt like it should have been them that was desired Mm, absolutely absolutely and so so many people could benefit from like saying hey that doesn't matter because you remember when we talked about the monster last week remember like we talked about what's what's the real pain why is it so stabbing to call someone a monster and it's because i'm basically saying that you don't deserve love i'm saying you don't deserve love and so now what i'm telling you is that in this place of unconditional love in this place of marriage right you don't have to earn it so you don't need to be the prettiest girl out there you don't need to you know so you can you can slip up sometimes you can make mistakes you can have some traumas and so i get to help you debunk all of those I, beauty myths, all of those self-worth myths that people uh, feed into. So I think that's a beautiful thing about, about authentic dating. Oh, I like that term. Authentic dating. <laughs> I like that. Not shopping dating, not speed dating, 
authentic dating. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but it, I think that takes humility, though. Yeah, you know, I, I think you're right. It does. It takes humility to be able to um, to search someone's soul and, and, and seek their goodness and their essence before just allowing their beauty or their outer appearance to take over, you know, and we're not diminishing sex or attraction because it's, you know, it has its place within the romantic um, sphere, but it mm -hmm. shouldn't be your main focus or the foundation because, you know, you get married to someone and they get in the accident and they no longer can perform. Will your marriage make it? Do you mm. have unconditional love? Do you have a foundation that you're going to still stick by that person? Although they no longer could serve you, they can no longer serve you in a sexual manner. Mm. You know, I have a, go ahead. I have a feeling that people are about to start commenting on this. <laughs> so, so let's, that's, that's a big, that's a big thing because people get in debates about that all the time. Like it can, because a lot of people believe that sex can make or break the marriage. And I, I kind of stand in a neutral place closer to and agreeing with that. But yeah. I definitely think I definitely think you're right. I definitely think at the very least we can switch sex from the paradigm of pleasure to the paradigm of connection. Yeah. Like like the sole purpose of sex is not just to derive pleasure. There's other like if you want to biologically argue it, yes, we we do it to reproduce and to keep on whatever. But I think to me more like spiritually philosophically you do it to be able to connect with and even psychologically uh you you do it with to, to connect with another person and if that is the premise more than pleasure right because even like if you think about sex people masturbate and stuff like that i doubt they're connecting with the porn star they're masturbating to right <laughs> they're not like oh our soul like you know so my point is if you're having sex from a place of pleasure What's really making them different than a porn star? What's making them different be from a physical uh, embodied TV screen? Right. They're just they're just an, an object of desire, a sexual object that you're using to fulfill your lustful needs. I agree with you completely. And I know we're probably going to irritate people with that statement. But <laughs> um, yeah, I waited until I got married to have intercourse because of the sole purpose that I just I couldn't imagine giving someone myself. And we didn't have that bond. And I, to me, I, and people are like, oh, you're just overdramatic. And, and that might be the case. But it, to me, it's, it's a real spiritual moment. You are truly giving someone the utmost of your essence and being, you know, and women and I mean, and even men, but definitely women, we're so, our bodies are so sensitive. You know, mm -hmm. I just couldn't imagine just giving it to just any old little person. You know, I felt like you had to have captured my heart and my my essence, my mind, my soul, if you were going to get my gold. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's dig into these comments and see what people are saying about this. And we'll chime back in on this because I definitely think there's a lot to dig into there. We just kind of opened a minefield. <laughs> Wait, be kind, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. What do you guys think of the institution of marriage? Do you think it's antiquated? So I be I think by antiquated he means like old like outdated. Yeah. So um, I think from I I like to follow a lot of evolutionary biologists. Um, I think they have a lot of interesting work on this. They talk about how humans mate in pair bonds, right? And and it's sufficient for a child to have two parents, right? So I definitely think the institution of marriage is beneficial and necessary if the person goes into it with the right thinking. But I think 
and, and this is in my opinion, and a lot of people are going to hate me for this. I think that the thing that deteriorates the institution of marriage is polygamy. I think polygamy, multiple se- the casual multiple sexual partners, I think, objectively speaking, has negative effects on the overall society. I'm not going to argue anything about morality. That's not where I'm coming from. But I think uh, if, you, if, you, uh, uh, if you looked at quantitative data over how, this, how polygamy could affect the society over a whole, I think it has negative effects. I think it destabilizes things. I know that um, a lot of creatures practice polygamy and that it could be argued that by nature we are polygamous creatures. But I think when uh, there's, a, there's a lot of things that biology, biologically us being creatures, we've kind of overcome by the evolution of uh, socialization and things like that. I personally think that the, the institution of marriage has a lot of value. Um, what about you? What do you and what do you what would you say like like counter arguments were, would be to that? And like, how would you how would you argue for the institution of marriage? Okay, well, I'm married, so right. Uh, <laughs> I I think there is definite definite great benefits of marriage. I still believe in the the sanctity and the union of marriage. I think that, but I also think that it's not for everybody. I, agree. I don't I don't think it's something that should be uh, entered into lightly lightly. I think you need to be extremely, extremely mature and informed on what it means to actually be married before you say, I do. Um, Absolutely. You know, so like I say, yeah, I believe in it, but I also believe that it's not for everybody, especially in the generation that we're in now, where it's more culturally accepted to be able to sleep outside of marriage, where people are really goal oriented, both male and female at this time. Um, you know, it's just we have so many distractions that it has put a lot of pressure on marriages. You know, yeah. I see marriages falling apart for many different things. You know, it's not just cheating anymore, cheating, finances, um, you know, this pandemic, because I don't know, like anything and everything, you know, people get tired, you know, people, people grow apart. You know, I feel like people probably don't put as much energy as they should in their marriages. And I don't know. Like I said, I still believe in it, but it's not for everybody. You have yeah. to be extremely mature. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that. And so I also think that the value, the core values of society have changed. And right. I don't think that they, I'm not going to say that it's a bad thing, but I don't think that certain core values should have changed. For example, I don't think that our society has a high value of commitment, right? No. We. We, we don't place that as a high value thing. So, of course, if you're not going to place a high value of commitment, then if you observe a society that doesn't do that. Then, of course, then it looks like the uh, the the institution of marriage is being destabilized because <laughs> well, people don't mm-hmm. honor commitment anymore. And commitment is a good thing. Um, like, for example, there's a couple quotes that I like. You don't marry a person. You marry a family. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, is it realistic to think that you'll be able to isolate your beautiful, happy nuclear family from the family that they already had before you were married? Do you get along with the parents? Do they have the same culture? Are they racist? Do they accept your culture? Do they accept your faith? Like, you know, these are do they accept your sexuality? Like, these are all things that could detrimentally affect how long your marriage lasts. Absolutely. You know, and I hate to say, it, but I feel like, and this is just my opinion, so excuse me, but I just feel like our generation is a me, 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 me generation. 
Yeah. You know, we want instant gratification. You know, oh, this relationship doesn't work. That's fine. I'm gonna give me a new boot with one swipe. Okay, with one click, I am now potentially speaking to another person. You know, and that can be dangerous when it comes to um, commitment as you're speaking to. There's just so many options. There's yeah. just so many avenues that you can go down that can, you know, give you that quick fix of what you feel like you need. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. So let's take this next comment. I think we, I think we did a pretty good job of answering that question. Mm-hmm. Do you guys feel like the institution of marriage is antiquated when compared to the evolution of us as a human species? Oh, you just answered that. <laughs> <laughs> well, perfect. Let's keep going. Comfort is right. He is the God. Uh, well, you are right. I have to reject that statement. <laughs> 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 thank you, though. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you. Um, let's keep going. So imagine me at 21, uh, never driven a car, never um, put gas in a car but I'm going to fix a car. That's pretty much like the mindset we have when it comes to relationships and how we just will jump into them, how we'll just jump into a marriage and we have no experience. So it's so accurate. We don't date. We shop for partners. And I wish women understood that more and men too, but mostly women because we think is the love all win all thing. Like it's the ultimate goal and it's not. You want to find a partner. Love, I feel like, is actually easy to obtain. But finding a working relationship is much harder. Yeah. It takes more integrity. Much more integrity. That just made me think of another value of dating in a proper fashion. If you learn how to love a person correctly and judge a person, you heal and love. you learn to love yourself better. It is true that I believe, uh, and this is something I wanted to touch on last week. I have, I talked about my pond analogy, right? The three ponds and the, they like waterfall into each other. You, does that make sense? So I think, yes. I think, so for me, I am a theist. I believe in a God. Um, so per, for me particularly, I say that it starts with loving God, then loving self, from after you learn to love God and then after you've learned to love self, you learn to love others. But I've kind of tried to generalize that for other people who may not be theistic. Um, And so what I say is you learn to love your worldview or the philosophy you come from, right? And you learn to love the truths that you believe in and you embody them. And after you do that, it gives you self-esteem. You learn to love self. And then once again, you learn to love the people around you. Um, so that's my kind of view view of it. And so learning to love, yes, it's true that you self-love comes first. But after that, I definitely think it could be kind of cyclical. So like you learning to love someone else gave you more tools to, to deal with yourself better. And it can help clear up offenses. Like think about it. If you felt rejected by a person because, you, because they, they didn't want you for whatever reason, and you're dating in a healthy, productive fashion, right? Um, and... What am I trying to say? Um, And you now go date someone in this healthy fashion and you have to deny them for whatever reason, because you're loving yourself. You're loving this person. You're trying to respect their boundaries. You value who they are. You had a great time, but you honoring the idea of commitment that they're not for you. It can help clear up 
offenses and rejection that you have from other people who've rejected you because now you're coming from a place of maturity where you understand they weren't trying to implicate anything about my self-worth they were just saying i was not the compatible partner for them compatibility and self-worth are not the same thing nor should they be compared absolutely yeah so she had a great quote and i love her i loved her car example that was really cool Mm mm-hmm yeah. Wait, but now we need, we need, we need, I'm not, you're the expert in this sense. Cause I don't have a ring on my finger. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> look, let me just be candid. Okay. Marriage is beautiful. And let's go from the standpoint of loving thyself first before you can love someone else. Absolutely. It is vital, 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 vital. Because if you do not know how to love yourself properly, and that's looking at having healthy boundaries and mm-hmm. self having healthy self-esteem and, and integrity and courage and yada, yada, yada. When you join with one person, once you get married, if there are toxic flaws that you are exhibiting, it's only going to increase when you get married and you're with that person. Okay? Mm-hmm. Things don't get better. A lot of people have that false notion. Well, things will be better when we get married. Or things will get easier. Uh, no, but will they get tougher? They <laughs> get harder. <laughs> so you definitely want to make sure that you're both individuals are relatively solid, solid humans in their mental and physical and spiritual beings before they connect and become one. Um, in a marriage, like you said, you have the potential to truly be a life-giving source to your significant other. You know, you can be that shoulder they need to lean on. You can be wise counsel. You can, um, you you can just experience life with them. And, you know, and in the Bible, it says, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. You know, man who finds a wife finds a good thing. And I truly believe that. But mm-hmm. you must also be careful because when you're in that union, just like you have the power to build, inspire, and uplift, you can also have the power to destroy. Mm. And with that That's really state... Good. With that stated, yes, um, you have to make sure. And I always tell like my husband and my friends and family members that I'm close to protect my heart. I Ooh. will protect your heart. This life is so hard and it will destroy you. I don't want to be one of those sources. So when you make your moves in your daily lives, the way that you speak, the way that you talk, the way that you walk, you have me in your mindset, especially if you're married. Have your husband, your wife's well-being in your mindset when you do things because you are no longer, you know, an individual, but you are, you have now become one. And so when you get in relationships and especially this generation where it's the me, me, me generation, and they do Mm -hmm. not have a servitude, you know, mindset of let me serve my wife and not as a servant, but just, you know, I love you. So let me take care of you. Let me honor you. Let me respect you. And they break those bonds. It is, it is detrimental to both psyches. So how would you then like uh, talk to a, a pantheistic, atheistic, polytheistic people, right? Who have maybe different values of God, of, of love and all of those things, which is an important question. Like what, what is love, right? Like if you're going to talk about in the paradigm of dating that we're in, because um, like based off what your worldview is, you view love drastically different. Right. Like That's we, a great question. That's yeah, because we, we believe Probably. God to be love. No, like we believe God to be love. And so we equate his character and his personalities with love. But that's not some people like, well, how does an atheist view love? Like, do they have these philosophical 
objective notions of what they believe to be love is, or is it just about their experience with this other person? Right. I personally think it depends on the couple. Okay. I think that each couple has to define their boundaries, their expectations, their do's and their don'ts. Because mm-hmm. I've known people, I've known couples who were, you know, Christian-based couples, and they were like, we don't cheat, we don't do this, we don't do that. I've known couples that were, I, I always say it wrong, like truffle, truffles, or whereas where they have, there's three of them, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then I've known couples who were swingers, you know what I mean? So I really, really just think it, it it's case by case, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not fair to clump them all in. So what is love? You define love. Love is what your reality is, is what you make it, in my opinion. And I'm not an expert, you know, theologian mm-hmm. in this, but for me, <laughs> it's, it's what it's what you make it to be. It's what you accept it as as is, you know, what, what do you what do you tolerate? What do you celebrate? You know, what do you like? So mm-hmm. to each their own, I guess. Yeah, that's good. Let's get let's take another comment. What do you guys think of dating apps? Dating apps to me think I feel like they're just. How did he do that? That, that was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. So last week, we really kind of covered a lot of ground on dating apps. And, and I think that it's very hard. We, I, I think we kind of agree. It's very hard to let a dating app be productive simply because of this shopping paradigm, right? This, right. this, this buying thing. Like, really and truthfully, if you look at a dating app, it's very, very, very easy to look at it like an Amazon package and be like, okay, swipe, 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 swipe. Oh, I like this package. I'll order this one. Maybe they'll, maybe I'll get it. Like, it's like you're in a, um, uh, what is it, where, like a raffle or something. Like, where, you know, like, you know how people try to buy Jordans and, the Jordans only come out in particular seasons, right? Like um, an auction, yeah. like, all right, maybe they'll, what, maybe they'll, maybe I'll get them this time. Maybe I'll, right. I'll get them. Right. So, but I definitely think they can produce genuine real love depending on the people and how they use it. Absolutely. I, my husband and I, we met on okcupid.com. And so, you know, I definitely do believe that they can work. There's five other couples that I know met on the same website, okcupid.com. And they are currently still in successful marriages. So I think, as you just stated, if both individuals are genuinely on the app for the sole purpose of finding and making true connections, mm-hmm. it has a great um, possibility of working. And I also I also think it depends on the website because and, and I don't get paid to talk about OkCupid, but I just really of all of the websites, I really appreciated that one because they asked me a bajillion questions, so <laughs> many questions, so that their algorithm would be able to match my match me and my husband together. And it's funny because my husband and I are completely opposite individuals. We have very little in common as in when it comes to hobbies and interests and upbringings, but our core values are identical and Mm. that's what makes it work. And that's what that website did was it took our ideal values and, and goals and dreams saw that they were almost identical and that's how they matched us together. And it matches. And it makes me laugh because we were able to thrive off that because like I said, our foundation was exactly the same and what we envisioned for our future. And it, now it depended on us to be able to take the time to, um, reach out and and celebrate each other's differences and let them be a norm and let them be an okay 
experience. So we were able to bridge a gap between our differences, celebrate them, enjoy them, and we were able to thrive. Awesome. Great answer. I think I don't I think I can uh, compete with that. So let's let's keep this next question or comment. Who who knows what it'll be? All right. Okay, so I definitely feel like it can sex can make a break a relationship or a marriage. Mm-hmm. But that's only in the case where there isn't any communication. Like the foundation isn't solid. Like it's shallow. It's not really built on um, true unconditional love. Because once you have something built like that, um, I won't say that everything just comes natural, but you have a way with each other. You know how to show them um, or tell them, you know, in the best way you feel possible without hurting their feelings. And I've been able to do that even with people that I've dated. But because I'm secure myself at my age, um, I can say that better than when I was younger. And when I was younger, if they weren't good at it, they just weren't good at it. I'm Mm -hmm. glad she said that. I'm glad we played that comment because that was a topic that I wanted to hop back into. I do think think that sex can make or break a marriage. That's what I'm going to definitively say. And here's my here's me defending my faith. <laughs> I think sex and marriage becomes a lot harder thing. It, it's a lot easier to be a make or break if you are already have already been sexually active. The problem is you already have a preference. Whereas if you would have if we would have and, and this is me included because I'm not a virgin. If we would have honored us like uh our sexuality or some principle and waited and committed to exploring that in marriage then it's literally that it's an exploration so one simply and and just think about this logically simply for the fact that you've never had sex you're prolonging your sex life just a little bit because you don't know what you're doing at first and some of that time's going to be figuring out what you like and that's just logically speaking if you if okay how do I let's think about it like this Let's say two people who have never had sex. It's going to take them longer to commit the act of sex, to figure out what they're doing, <laughs> how the parts work, how to get over the awkwardness, right? How to right. do all that. Versus right. two people who are like, all right, I know where this goes. I know how to move. I know how to pump it. Let's go. And then it is, you know, it's a, it's a lot quicker of an interaction. So even by that statement alone. But what I'm really trying to say is because you now have sexual preference, you are comparing to this person. And that makes it so much harder to break that paradigm of pleasure that I was talking about because you're thinking about the pleasurable experiences and you're, you're giving them a quantity and you're comparing it to the quantity of the person that you're with now. So that mm. makes it hard. So I won't say that it's impossible because there's definitely a and I'm, marriage is for any person who, who desires that. Um, and wants to honor that commitment. So I'm not going to say it's irredeemable, but it's definitely something, it's a consequence of having sex early. That's what I will say. Um, You're not meant to compare. You're not meant to compare. We're not meant to be like, well, Johnny over there, he was 10 (laughs) inches. You, only three. Like, I I don't know. I love that you say that. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, I love what she said, and I'm going to shut up after this, because she talked about commitment i mean communication i'm sorry she talked about communication and that really is the thing like honestly from my experience it it was not very normal like okay and this is i know it's a weird argument but for rape to be as common of a thing as it is 
too many people don't believe in communicating. Like too many people do not commit. If people were to communicate when initiating sex and it wasn't such a weird thing to say, hey, uh, are, is this something that you're interested in doing right now in whatever nuanced way? I'm not saying make it awkward. If we communicated, rape would not be as high as it is because men would not be acting on uh, presumptions of what a woman wants in that given time. That same thing translates to sex. If you were willing to talk, is this something that you like? Did you like when I did this? How did this feel? Oh my gosh, I didn't know I liked that. Do it again in this specific place. Like all of these things, you have these opportunities to explore. It's not just doomed. And if you are really honoring your commitment, you don't have to throw it all away for the first few times that you guys don't get it right. You can start with simple things. Everything's not rocket science. I like to be kissed this way. I like to be kissed in this place. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't even have to be about, I like to be stroked this way. You don't have to get, you know? Yeah. No. Do you want to speak on that? Like I do. I totally do. I totally do. Okay. So Lord, please don't let my husband hear this podcast, but (laughs) he was not a virgin when we got married. He was not. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so it was, you're right. Me going into the marriage and never experiencing intercourse was one, it was life changing because I didn't get married till I was 30. So imagine 30 years on this alert. I, right. And you ain't getting the good, good. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a struggle. Um, anyways, but going into the marriage, everything and anything was great because I didn't know any better. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I didn't know any better. And I really want to give you a testament to that. Because say, if you know, if you're out there and you are slinging and you get in a good, good, yeah, that's, that could definitely end a relationship that would have probably blossomed to something beautiful because Chad don't do the good, good like Tommy, you know, like that is, that just, that, that does blow my mind, especially when communication is a key factor, you know, um, and he took a gamble. He, my husband took a huge gamble because he didn't know what my sex game was going to be like. You know what I mean? Him having premarital sex already, he, or like you said, already had a mindset, had an expectation. And here I come, you know, like, okay, <laughs> you know, but then it, it was, we had to thrive on communication. You know, I had to be like, yo, bro, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not that one. Like, you definitely got to communicate your, your negatives and your wants and your needs. And I think a lot of people forget that you got needs, you know, especially if you've already yeah. had the good, good, you know what you like and you know what you don't. And right. if a new partner maybe isn't as experienced or not as explorative, communicating <laughs> is key. But the thing is, is that both partners have to be okay and willing to within reason. Okay. Cause there's some crazy kinky stuff that probably should go back <laughs> on the shelf. Okay. <laughs> you know, be comfortable. Okay. We both got to agree on this, but definitely have that communication be like honey what do you need out of sex what what brings you pleasure and listen to both parties and both parties actively do it you know like ladies don't be no what do they call them the little starfish you're just sitting there like you know like everybody do your part and if you do want some actual theology because i know a common thing people like to attack the christian people for is that the uh the principle of marriage was meant to oppress women and yada 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 well Yes and no. First, uh, that was the principle of marriage was not instituted by Christians, right? Because we come from Jews, Judeo-Christian. That's why we say Judeo-Christian worldview. Actually, it's not true that that's the case because 
the people who first off it was biased in the roman the greco-roman culture the greco-roman culture normalized that women were expected to uh be celibate and keep their virginity until marriage and the man wasn't that was actually not the case um for the jewish people actually it was in the, it was looked down upon if people did not get married because they saw marriage as a prevention tool against rape one and two they felt they had an obligation a, a spiritual obligation to multiply and replenish the earth so i know a lot of people try to attack it from this standpoint of well uh marriage is literally just an institute marriage and virginity are just institutions to oppress and enslave women now i will say if i give you a hammer and you and you 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 nail a house together you have used it as a tool if i give you that same hammer and you bash someone's head in you've used it as a weapon that it was meant to be a tool that does not mean it couldn't be abused and i definitely don't deny that that it has been used as a tool to oppress um women and you can look at that uh, from the Greco-Roman culture and things like that. So I, I don't, I want to acknowledge that. I thought, I thought that was an important tidbit to throw in there. You blow my mind. You're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Next message. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, I think I went on a little tangent in my last message. Um, but I also feel like people rush to achieve love because, and they skip past loving God, they skip past loving themselves because it's like you said that instant gratification that they're getting like okay this person loves me so I gotta be awesome and with that comes like a a lot of contentment and I've seen in relationships where you know you know persons kind of let themselves go and you know just because you know their husband their wife love them they feel content with you know not really continuing chasing their dreams or um you know, keeping up with their physical appearance. Um, but they're extremely depressed as well, and they're, they're not motivated. And those are also the same people, like, will fall apart if a relationship ends because that's all they really had for themselves. Um, so we had to learn to love ourselves. Mm. She just dropped a bunch of little nuggets of knowledge. The rushing of the love. I and I that was me before my before my husband, the guy before. Um, I was so I think I was like in my mid-20s. I was so hell-bent set on getting married and finding the one that I Mm -hmm. oh Lord, don't let the ex-boyfriend ever hear this. (laughs) (laughs) But I I you know I settled and and not that he wasn't an amazing person. He definitely was an amazing person. He just wasn't the amazing person for me. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I, and I have to put that out there. So if you ever listen to this boo, ex boo, you're awesome. Just nothing me. So anyways, with that <laughs> stated, but because I wanted to rush, because I wanted to keep up with the, my homegirls and the, the, with the neighbors and the Joneses, you end up settling for people and things that you do not, you have no business being a part of, you yeah. have no business being a part of. And I think, you know, because you look at Instagram and you, like I said, once again, hashtag, you know, self I mean, uh, relationship goals. No, 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 no. Let that person, let your relationship come in the time frame that it was destined to be in. Because when you rush it, you go mess it up. You go mess it up. And also to our other point about contentness. Oh, contentment will kill. Do mm. not come. Don't become content. 
you should always be striving to better yourself as as, as well as your relationship. Because when you start sitting on that couch a little longer than necessary, <laughs> and them dishes pile up, and that belly starts to get bigger because you ain't trying to, you know, do some push-ups, somebody going to notice. And that's one thing that I like when one of the other benefits, like when I was talking about unconditional love earlier, right? Mm-hmm. It it allows honesty. You stop lying to yourself about what you mm. view to be attractive and what you view to be attractive for your partner. Like, and this mm. is something that I think needs to be normalized. I completely am for pro thick women and all of and all of those movements. That is absolutely fine. Everyone deserves like to have some self esteem about the way that they look, and we shouldn't just be based off European beauty standards. I'm completely for that. However. First off, beauty standards is abstract in the first place because uh, uh, one man's trash is another man's treasure. And beauty Mm -hmm. is in the eye of the beholder. Like, I've dated women that probably are not viewed to be the most attractive, right? And I was willing to do that because of who they were in combination, but because of specific physical features that they had that were tailored to my preference. My point in saying that is I also have a preference for the way that I look as a person. And so it's not realistic to try to force myself to change what I believe to be attractive. I want to deserve love. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I lied. So instead of being afraid and owning up to admit to the faults that I have, right. I deny them in an attempt to say that I deserve this, or I, I, I'm, I'm attractive enough for that. Instead of saying, you know what, this person's going to love me. Right. And, and mm-hmm. I can and because this person is going to love me, I can be honest with myself about what I want and about how I would like to be. And I want to stay attractive for them. And but not because I need to, but because I want to. That's important. Like, yeah. like we said, looks are important. We cannot deny that. So we're not just going to write it off and be like, well, we're going to make anything attractive. No, it's up to you and what you think is attractive for yourself and you and your partner feel are attractive for each other. Right. Absolutely. And no matter what size you are, you know, because some people are just big boned. Like I'm a person, I've never been skinny. Even when I was, well, no, even in high school, you know, I was still a little thick and I was running track. Like (laughs) sometimes your body, your your genetic makeup is just, you're just not going to be super thin. But no matter what size you are, you still want to maintain a healthy lifestyle. You know what I mean? Like you still, you know, you can be a plus size woman, but still work out, make sure that, you know, everything's right and tight. Like that's okay. You should, it's, it's, you know, you should, you need to, but with that stated, and this is what I've learned in my marriage. um, Yes. I do like getting dressed up when I go out with my husband, but let Mm -hmm. me tell you, I'd be lying to you. If I told you I'd hundred percent did it for him. I do it for myself. And it's not that I don't love him. He benefits from it. He's like, oh, you're pretty. But I do it for me. I do mm-hmm. it because I like the way that I feel when I get up and when I get dressed. Because that's part of me loving myself. And when yeah. people get in marriages, especially marriages, sometimes they let that fall down to the wayside. Like, no, you are still your own individual person. Just how you were before you got married, when you took the time to get it all nice and fine. Do that when you're married, too. Just because you got somebody doesn't mean you should just let it all fall out. Like, no, love yourself then like you did back when. Ooh, that's good. That's good. Because people often it's getting pretty normal for people to say, you know, you have to date them in the marriage. 
but you got yeah. you you also have to keep up your self love just because you don't yes. want you don't want to drop that ball either just because you have the security of another person and that's a really good point absolutely no you know what i mean and and i my family would always tease me about that you know like they're like you're going to the grocery store why are you got lipstick on i'm like excuse you <laughs> i am presenting myself to the world i'm gonna look fly Whenever I feel like flyness is a necessity. Okay, I don't need to look fly because I'm, you know, because that to me, that's them telling me, why are you doing all that to go to the store? You're not going to be around a lot of people who, no, 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 I'm doing it for me. I don't need to only look super amazing when I'm going to a function. If I feel like my red cherry lipstick needs to be applied for me to go buy some Cheerios, that's okay. Because <laughs> guess who's enjoying that? Amina's enjoying that red cherry lipstick. Okay, so... Yeah. Love yourself and don't let the haters hate. And, and, they just... and that's <laughs> bias against women too, because men do the same thing. And I can tell you a personal example. I live across the street from my local grocery store. Like all I have to do is literally walk across the street. And I wanted something from the store the other day. And I literally busted an entire fit, like a whole outfit. Like I'm talking jeans, hoodie, nice. cap, everything to walk across the street pick up one item from the store and go right back home you know this is how i know i like you okay that's why we cool podcast buddies because you understand <laughs> go ahead you just have so much um i just want to say thank you guys so much for the podcast i guess this is kind of like my second time on here but um i just want to say yeah thank y'all so much like it's it, i'm 19 years old and i've never you know seen like a good functioning relationship like this like i've never or what y'all are talking about you know like i mean growing up my mom has had boyfriends and stuff but it was never any good for us as a family us as a whole anything like that and i feel like even just these like this what however long y'all been talking um it's really eye-opening it's it's really it gives me a lot to think about going forward and looking into relationships and because i mean I'm in a relationship right now, but like just 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 hearing y'all talk about this makes me just I guess contemplate a lot of things like in my relationship at right now and how I can improve and how I can be a better person for my partner and as in like you know making it last long term. So thank you guys so much. Man, wow, I'm really glad we took that comment. That was awesome, Flack two four two oh five. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I'm glad you uh, said that. Um, I'm glad that it's helping somebody out there. You know, I, I don't want to just be talking to hear myself talk. Um, I really appreciate that. I like almost teared. I almost like teared up. <laughs> actually. No, like, like, actually. I was like, dang. I was like, oh, I'm making a difference. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, because no, that's why yeah. we get. That's why we get on these podcasts. You know, we don't, we're not trying to come up here with craziness and. We just really want to inspire enlightened people. And if anything else, we learn so much just from the listeners as well. You know, and truly the listeners are the true star of the podcast. We're just here to, to you know, generate the content. So thank you guys for everybody for listening. Uh, comfort, you just, I just, you blow my mind all the time. Like, I just, I'm like, how old are you? You know, and that's not to say, you know, early 20s don't have brilliancy, but you just, you just are just exceptional. And it is an honor, and I look forward to our our weekly weekly um, our weekly podcast at six p.m. on Wednesdays. So if you really like this podcast, chime back in on Wednesdays. I'm hoping he gets bored and we have another one before then. But you know, it is what it is. Man, uh, it was awesome, guys. And obviously, we let's take a bow for Amina. She's a great host. 
bringing very nuanced perspective into to you know and mature perspective that I wouldn't have, which is awesome. Um, so like I get to test some of the things that I say by her experience and as she succeeded at it. So thank you. Um, this is uh, thank you for having me as usual, and we'll see you guys next week. Absolutely. Good night, guys. Stay beautiful. Bye. Okay, that's the end of this episode. If you like this kind of content and or just want to support me and what I'm doing, you can go to the entire video at Stereo.com slash comfort underscore free. Or you can support me on my Patreon page, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash comfort free conversations. That is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash comfort free conversations. Thanks and catch you next time.